Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Gary Bolger Red, Mountain Forest Podcast, Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, and the sun is out, and everyone should be happy with an extra spring in their step because Nottingham Forest have won their first game of the season, a very handy 2 0 win at Huddersfield under the guidance of caretaker manager Stephen Reid. And here to discuss that and everything that's going on with the managerial situation. First of all, is former Reds player and Sky Sports presenter David Prutton. Hello, Prutz, you well? I'm very well, Matt. How are you? I'm very much looking forward to this. And our very special guest, I'm sure, is absolutely skipping. And as you say, the sun's shining and it'll be the playoffs next, won't it? So, cool. Well, well yeah. I mean, Greg Mitchell is the most optimistic for us. <laughs> even last week, even on Thursday, he said we're only 15 points off top spot. So, I dread to think what he's going to say now after one win. But yeah, Greg Mitchell's with us before Scarry Baldy. Greg, you are? Yeah, booking my playoff hotel. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you were there uh, at Huddersfield, Greg. Um, talk us through what it was like to actually see Nottingham Forest win a game on the road and play well and everyone leave the ground happy. What was that like? It just makes such a difference, doesn't it? All weekend I've been on a high. Even went out this morning, did some exercise, just bouncing <laughs> really. It, it was the perfect day. We, we got the 2 0. We didn't sit back and then we protected it. it. It was, I thought it was a perfect performance, whether it's because it has been so poor recently. We just looked so energised. Johnson is just frighteningly... Like, he, he showed why teams want him. I thought he was superb. Joe Lolly was brilliant. Uh, the full-backs, great. Graben just took his goal so well. It's exactly what you want a striker to do and... It was just a, a really good performance. Brilliant away day. The crowd was superb. It just, you know, it's been about 20 months since we've seen them win a game in the league. And it showed, it really did. I mean, even even though Huddersfield didn't show a lot, 92nd minute, I was still nervous looking at the clock, <laughs> counting down the seconds. And yeah, it just reminded you why you do it, really. How much credit, Prots, do you give... Stephen Reid, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? He's obviously Houston's mm. man in a sense, but he's gone in, he's made a big decision to go back to Brees Samba after he was dropped. He's yeah. changed formation to 3-4-3. Yeah, he could have fallen flat on his face there, mm. but it's come out smelling of roses. How much credit do you give him? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic to know that he has been malleable enough to change what, uh, what the situation, the formation has been. Greg's absolutely right. It's a forest side that look for quite a while to just be settling in games, um, very mindful of not surrendering uh, a lead or, or a point that they may have garnered during the course of 90-plus minutes. And then actively going out to win a game, which sounds tremendous, uh, tremendously co- commonsensical. And it's it, it's in no way kind of disparaging of, what, uh, of how Chris approached the football match because he's very, very cautious. But I think what you've seen... Uh, in that particular game, and what we've seen over the course of the last few months with Forrest is is a marked difference. I still, without wanting to sound like um, an old ex uh, ex pro, 
even though I am an old ex-pro, and having been in that situation where sometimes just a change of atmosphere can inspire the players, it was it was almost woefully predictable that they would go to someone uh, like Huddersfield, who had been doing very, very well, and come away with a win, wasn't it? Which, like I said, this this hopefully we'll have a little touch on Chris, won't we? And then moving forward and see where we're at with regards to our general opinion on Forest. But to to uh, signal a note of cynicism for a little bit, it's a good set of players that haven't been playing very well at all. And as much as they might frame it in the sense of a manager wanting them to play a certain way, it's not an under-15s under team. If you want to go and express yourselves, I'm not saying flying the first one the manager asked for, but from what Greg's saying there, you've got good players doing what they're best at. That's a professional footballer's job. So Chris Hewitt, as we well know, has paid the price for it. But um, the positive aspect that you take from it is that that performance is in there and it should have been there before. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick up on that then because Chris, Chris um, Sutton was on BT Score or whatever it's called at the weekend and he said shame he on He must have been very low-key. I bet he never said anything at all. Well, no, exactly. to anybody. He said shame on the players. <laughs> you know, they should have done this when the manager was here. Kind of overlooking the change in formation and the mm. change. I mean, they pressed the ball as far as I could see, Greg. They, they never pressed the ball under Hughes and mm. they did that. So, so it, I, I don't give much credence to that, but you've been in dressing rooms then, Props. I mean, do you mm. give... Uh, a bit more credence to what Chris is saying there, that players can just, not quite down tools, but just lose faith in a manager and then regain it. Possibly. Um, and and the, the thing is as well, because of what we're talking about with Chris, we're not talking about a manager that really kind of divides opinion in in a dramatic way, are we? We're not, he's not known for falling out with players. He's not known for having big busts up. He's not known for dividing dressing rooms. I, I was reading an article with Harry Arter, whose treatment was quite surprising, I thought, coming back later from pre-season, very much uh, moved away from what the first team was. I thought that maybe that wasn't... So, maybe I'm being naive. But I didn't uh, assume that would be the way that Christian would, would go about his work with, with professional footballers. But maybe that's a very small case in point. But... Um, if it was someone that was known to be slightly combustible that could really kind of very much um, put the cat amongst the pigeons when it came to dealing with people, then I could understand that. But I think, as you say, if, if, you, get, if you get a sweeping generalisation from Chris Sutton, who, with the greatest respect, probably does more Premier League football, doesn't he, than kind of not, uh, Nottingham Forest and, and the Championship. So it's very easy to say that's how it happened and that's what, that's what the players have done. But I'm, I'm sure Greg will be able to tell us exactly off the back of what he's seen at Huddersfield. If there's a team with a spring in its step, which goes actively hunting to go and win games, getting on the front foot, pressing the opposition, not giving them a moment's peace uh, and being able to attack in the way that they attacked with that change in formation, then all credit to Stephen Reid. Stephen Reid's seen these players firsthand for quite a long period of time, hasn't he? And maybe, as every good um, assistant is, yes, he's totally loyal to the man that he is working for, but... He should have his own thought process. Should should have his own ideas and, and, and ways of setting up a team. He's been given the chance. He's done that. He's been asked to do that, and that's the perfect answer. Mm. Did it feel, Greg, like almost <coughs> a sense of they should have done this a couple of games earlier? And I'm being hypocritical here because we said after the transfer window, you've got to give Hughton a bit of time with these players that have, have been signed. Not by him, I don't think. Um, but it just obviously it was not working against Cardiff and Middlesbrough. Do you kind of have that sense of what might have been if they'd done pull the trigger a little bit sooner? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? If they'd have known what was to come, they'd have got rid of him after game one. But um, yeah, they they should have done it earlier. But thankfully, they have done it now. And 
you know, those three points might not have come under Chris Hewton, unfortunately. But on what Prutz was saying about the pressing, and we were constantly, when Huddersfield started to really put pressure on us with 20-odd minutes to go, there was always two of our players trying to get that ball back off them. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. Like, the time-wasting is going to start now and they're going to give eight or nine minutes injury time. But it never happened. And I think the ref only gave four minutes. And that just really showed how well we played and how well we protected the lead without really having to go to those, you know, we can't swear on here, can you? But what Sandy Sandy usually does, (laughs) his, his nickname he likes for himself. But we just didn't need to do that. And... Chris Sutton, I just thought it was a little bit lazy of him. He possibly, Hazard, I guess, didn't even watch the game and it was just a generalisation. I think he did it to us last time we lost a manager. It's easy to say, isn't it? But I think if he'd have watched that game, he'd have had a much different opinion. And there were clear changes. And and this is annoying that the players did play so differently individually, but it's happened. And, you know, just as long as they keep playing like that, and we might yet get our new... New new manager bounce on Saturday yes, yet again. So, Greg, can, all... I, can, I, can I? Sorry to interrupt. Can I just ask you a question purely from my interest in what the fans have to think? We had a, a, a band of fans, didn't we, singing about Chris losing his job uh, in mm. the Borough game? Um, we've we've seen a lot of um, pessimism and cynicism in the way that he's uh, the results that he's kind of garnered over about a year or so in in the job. Which I mean, at Championship level. Sadly, nowadays, n- nearing on a year in a, in a job is, is pretty decent. <laughs> that's that, that's the mm. scary thing. But your your take on it and how you see that, the smile on your face suggests that this is a brand new start. And almost, does, do those players have a, have a slate that's wiped clean or do they owe you something? Uh, I think they owed us that performance on Saturday. They absolutely owed us that performance. But it's just amazing how different the win is. There's been none of this talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. There's been nothing since Saturday and it's so refreshing. And it just shows a football club that wins games. You kind of ignore everything else that's going on. Um, I haven't enjoyed the last few weeks. You've waited 18 months to get back in the stadium and it has been toxic. I've never Mm. known it as bad as this. Through the Fawaz era and everything that went on, the fans just seemed so angry. And I think it was a lot of you know, pent-up anger of, we've waited so long for this and this is what's being delivered. I didn't agree with some of the chanting. You know, even on Saturday, we're 2-0 up, we're playing so well and people are singing like, how rubbish must you be? We're winning away. And I thought, <laughs> come on, you're, you, you're like jabbing fun at your own team here. We're, we're playing brilliant against Huddersfield that were one of the form teams in the championship. And I, I think we win again on Saturday and all this is nicely forgotten and we've got the new CEO in place. I am a positive person when it comes to Forest, but you know, I have got a lot more optimism now. I shed loads more optimism. I wanted to put your playing hat on again, perhaps briefly. If you were have you been in a dressing room where the where the manager is very conservative and the football can perhaps does it feel stifling as a dressing room? Does it bring you down if you want to be let loose a bit or not? I think it depends where the club that you're at at that moment in time is. Um, from in a league sense, I've, I've played that in teams that had expectation on them. You, you take you take the Forest side that have, with the younger players in um, that we had a very long time ago with when Paul Hart took over. 
off the back of uh, obviously David Platt and Steve Wigley being in charge, which missed out on the playoffs. And I remember Wigs being very kind of um, vocal in the sense of falling short and we should have done better. Then obviously when Paul took the lads into the playoffs and, and the way that they played, I think there was a real um, fondness between the fans and the players for how that type of team played in, in quite a fearless way. I'm thinking about moving forward. The Southampton side that I was in was very much um, uh, boxing clever under, uh, under Gordon Strachan. He had players that could express themselves. He had a lot of foot soldiers that were very fit um, and um, were in a position to... Um, kind of navigate themselves through games. Um, I'm, I'm just, just as, as we were discussing this earlier and, and thinking back, I mean, I was, and, and Greg probably would agree with this, and, and you will too, might haven't seen me play, that more often than not, I was in teams that weren't trying to lose, <laughs> actually chasing too many people down, trying to play the beautiful game. But I think there was always space for the, for the better players, the more expressive players to go and do what they could possibly do. Uh, uh, nothing was there was a structure the best the best coaches and managers you play for always gave you a structure but any formation any any setup is something to play from and all of that whether it's a 343 whether it's 352 how how often can we if you look at people looking at a 352 going well well that's that could quite easily be a back five yeah but it could also be um, like after team bombing forward to attack the opposition so it's all it's all open to interpretation i just think and we, we, Greg's mentioned about a stereotype coming from a pundit that's probably operating on on a different a different league and, and different matches. But um, that side of what Chris's tenure is going to be taken as from not, as Nottingham Forest. I hope it's not just yeah he came in. You I mean stopped the rot for a little bit and then we got bored of him and moved him on because I think a lot of the stuff that he did taking over from Sabri, um solidifying a team that was shipping goals. Uh, was very very good. Uh, we I, th- I think that combination of of Joe Lolly and Matty Cash was tremendous. But then Matty gets the chance to move on to the Premier League, and you say, "Well done, go on, crack on. You've you've done an amazing job." So there's always little bits that go into it. But as ever, the manager takes the brunt of it, and that and that's that's I'm sure Chris is um, frustrated. But the, the man that I've spoken to knows exactly what the nature of the beast is. And let's be honest, without sounding too cynical, he's probably gone got a pat. On the back, and there you go, mate. Here's a bit of money in your bank account. Not that you possibly need it, but that'll soften the blow. And, and again, sorry for sounding cynical, but it's it's all part and parcel of of this circle, this cycle of what football management is. True. I think there might be a few managers who have still got a bit of cash coming in from Forest <laughs> over the last few years. Um, I want to, excuse me, touch on a couple of individuals. Um, start with grabbing Greg. I mean, he seemed to benefit from the formation. He wasn't having it lumped up to him all the time and he scored a very good goal. That's two in three now. Do you kind of hope he's been a bit written off by people on here and, you know, uh, pundits saying Forrest never signed a striker, Forrest never signed a striker, me included. Does he have a bit of a chip on his shoulder now and does that get him going, hopefully? Yeah, and, and linking up with Johnson the way that he did for the goal, like more of that to come, surely. Uh, and Lolly. There's, there's so many people in that midfield that are going to benefit Graben if they are given more chances to express themselves and play properly. So, yeah, I, Graben's a great striker. What is he, 34, 35 or something? He's not got many years left at a very high level, you'd imagine. But if we can get one or two more seasons of him playing like he did on Saturday, then he's going to get the goals. He's going to get 15, you know, 15, 20 goals. You never know if we're playing well. 
it isn't all on him. And yeah, I've been frustrated with him recently. I've been saying that, you know, strikers shouldn't be the, the captain when we've got players like Worrell and McKenna in there that can really captain from the back. But what do I know, really? <laughs> he played I think you're right, Greg. <laughs> Always odd having a striker. A striker or a goalie as a captain. I mean, that might sound so old-fashioned, it's untrue. But I, I was always kind of scratching my head with that. With, with Whether it's a team that I was playing in or not, you kind of thought, just doesn't look right, does it? Mm. What do you I think mean, of... I, Oh, go on, Greg. Sorry, you go on. No, well, just following on from that, really, that he proved on Saturday that you know he, he can do both. I still wouldn't want to see it, but you know he is a he's a proven goal scorer, and give him the chances, and he's going to score because that was the perfect cross from Johnson. They're not always going to be that good, and he's got to be there ready to you know to get him in. And I think he's he's you know he's going to be playing whilst he's fit every single game now. Yeah, yeah. I find him an interesting character psychologically. I don't know him. I've only interviewed him a couple of times, but I always get the impression he wants to have the weight on, on him, the weight of expectation. He kind of thrives on it. He wants to be the man and maybe he quite likes being written off just to prove people wrong. What, what do you make of him, Prots? Does he still got a lot of juice left in the tank or not? Yeah, I think I, I think Greg's absolutely right. There's not much that Greg said so far that I disagree with, whether that makes his opinion I don't know. He might get completely ostracised when he next yeah, goes to the city ground. You, you've been you've been agreeing with him, um, but no, I think you're right. The whenever you look at a striker and, and his and his impact on the pitch, um, he's is at the is at the mercy of of how he's surfaced on a football pitch, isn't he? He's at the mercy of being able to convert chances that are put into into his path and the quality of the balls in across the board haven't really been that good the service into him hasn't really been that good but on the flip side of it is if you're not having a game where anything's coming your way you work your socks off down all across the front you give the opposition not a moment's rest but then on the flip side again so many flip sides with this that if it is a team that's sitting back then as a striker you're not going to go chasing because you end up running around on your own and you get you turn around there's 15 yards behind you the rest of the team are kind of just waving on going it's brilliant what you're doing but we're, no one's no one's helping you so it's um I, I think he does operate under that sense of um, wanting to prove people wrong. It's, it's, it's funny what motivates players and strikers and, and what gets the best out of them. But if that's what happens with Lewis, and let's be honest, at this level, um, his goal-scoring feats have been phenomenal, really. I mean, I mean you're trying to look at uh, in this level and below and, and, and the second tier of English football. We, we, we had Sheffield United on Saturday and Billy Sharp was there. So Billy's done wonders in the EFL and done wonders at, in the Championship since the turn of the century. Ricky Lambert was another one. But you're looking at Lewis up there with some of the highest scores, Jordan Rhodes in the second tier, um, this side of, 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 of this century. So they've got a player there that can score goals and know where the net is as long as you give him an opportunity. And that becomes a team responsibility, not just the striker. I suppose two of the people that are key to that uh, are Lolly and Johnson, and obviously Myton as well. But Lolly and Johnson <coughs> stood out on on Saturday, didn't they, Greg? How good is it to see Lolly back to his not his best, but you know, looking more like his best certainly. Yeah, he's just one of them players that I don't think he's the quickest, is he? He's nowhere near as quick as Johnson, but the balls he plays, and he can have two or three players around him and still come out with the ball and. He is that kind of player that you, when he's firing, when he's playing well, he could do anything, whether it's passing or you know scoring from twenty odd yards. So, Lolly being fit, healthy, and in form is key to the success mm-hmm. of our our team this season, definitely. And Johnson's just a 
put in. He needs a foil, doesn't he, Lolly? I always think. So it was Matty Cash who would overlap and free a yard of mm. space. And um, he hasn't had that for a while. Cyrus Christie did it a bit, but could Jed Spence do that, Greg? Could he pile on and make some space for him? Yeah, I mean, Spence was excellent and I loved it. I, was he subbed with Johnson? Was oh, it I Spence? I think. And uh, I think it was. And then he, he, he had to, the new thing where they get subbed and have to go straight off the pitch. And he, he did, he came off the same time as Brennan, yeah. Yeah, and he, and he walked around and one of the Huddersfield fans must have given him some chip and it was right next to the away end. So he did no more than just stood in front of the away end <laughs> giving him that. And that's what they need the last 15, you know, they real G'd us up. And it, I really enjoy, I, and like I say, I enjoy the, the right and left back. I think they're, they're excellent additions and, you know, credit to Chris Hewton for those. You see lots and lots of championship football props. Where does... Yeah. Johnson and Lolly rank potentially not on what they've done so far. They've both yeah. been really good, but potentially, where, where could they be in terms of a pair of championship forwards or wingers? Well, I mean, with with and again going back to how they play and how good the team uh, teammates are that they're playing with, that's that's a top ten, if not a top six um, pair of players that can create chances. We know what Joe can do. I, I think the great thing with Joe as well, I haven't heard him speak about not just being a professional footballer, but being at Forest, he gets it. He, he, he gets the this, he gets the responsibility. He gets what it means to the to, to the people that support the club that he's playing for. And Brennan, um, not just because I know his dad very very well, and he was a former teammate of mine, David. Um, I think the way that he plays football is fantastic. I think the interest that he's attracting is he's a double edged sword, isn't it, for Forest? As long as he's playing well, it's great. If suddenly in January <laughs> he then becomes a Premier League footballer, then it's slightly different. But again, I think we all know, particularly off the back of the pandemic, where um, football finances do stand, which will quite obviously come on to in due course with uh, the other lot down the road. Um, but I think, as you say, it's 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 imperative that to get the best out of players, you have the best teammates around them. And if that's Jed Spence doing a passable impression of what Matty Cash could do with Joe Lolly, then fantastic, I think, for Forrest. Um, and also with Max Lowe and, and um, what Brennan can bring to that side of the pitch. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's... There's a lot, and we spoke about this earlier on in the season, I think, Matt, that there's, you look at the team uh, on paper, which is almost a redundant comment, isn't it, when it comes to talking about football teams, because anyone can look fantastic on paper. But... Common consensus is that's a Forest starting eleven, starting eleven, eighteen man squad that shouldn't be anywhere near where it's been. Shouldn't you know what I mean? Regardless of how a manager set them up, how a manager wants them to go about uh, playing Championship football matches, it's it's nowhere near that. And I think, given how close they were to getting into the playoffs the season before last, uh, playing the way that they did with the players that they had, then I'm not saying playoffs now should be the should be the absolute bare minimum not because it, there's still a hell of a long way to go but you look at what Sunderland did with Roy King coming in S- similar positions went on a run which got them all the way up and into the Premier League so it's it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility but it, all, it, all what it's going to take and I'm going to make this sound so very very straightforward is their best players playing as best as they possibly can more consistently than not therein lies how you crack football in a nutshell which sounds so easy when you sat here on your kitchen table with uh, absolutely zero pressure on your shoulders that's Greg Mitchell levels of optimism now I like that. 
He's sucking me in. He's really starting smiling. It's killing me. <laughs> Last thing on the game, Greg. Um, how did the back three look? And Figueredo, I suppose, particularly. He's, seen, he's almost been written off by Forest fans a few times, and then he's come mm. back in again. Did it work, the three at the back? Clean sheet, yeah, definitely worked. And they they were trying. Oh, I think McKenna cramped up, and and they were they weren't time. It was genuine, and they all looked shattered at the end. They were delighted, but they were shattered. So yeah, it worked. Whether it'll work every game, and like I said earlier, Huddersfield was. I think they were pretty much the form team in the league. You don't go to the form team, play that openly, and win two 0 And spoke to some of their fans walking out, and they like they were never in it. The only negative thing they had to say about us was our third kit, but <laughs> it worked for us, didn't it? The players could obviously see each other. Yeah, you can see the stewards as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about going forwards then. I mean, all this is contingent on who the next manager is and all indications are it's going to be Steve Cooper, although I suppose until it's announced and the contracts are all dotted, you just don't know, as we've seen with a few managerial search over the summer. But if it is... Cooper, what would you make of that? Probably a very good track record at Swansea, didn't he? Yeah, he was superb. I, I, I was had a good long chat with him just a couple of what two, three, four weeks ago because um, very conscious of the fact that um, his Swansea side and what he did was not remembered in the right way because that that kind of leans towards a manager to think about his legacy when it's absolutely not. He's 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 kind of very very reassuringly and refreshingly ego free as Steve just enjoys what the actual brass tacks of the job is, which is getting out on the pitch with players and improving players, building relationships with younger players, with older players, uh, being able to employ his fundamentals uh, and g- being given the tools to do so. Coming out of Swansea, from from the outside looking in, I think he was expected to go again with even less resources that he'd had uh, from the previous two seasons, which when suddenly top six becomes your bare minimum and you are... Um, losing your better players, I think it then becomes a really tough job. Not just not just a tough job, but a really tough job. And I think he came out, he, th- he felt at the right time with his stock high, which then means that now he's in the discussion with regards to being the Forest head coach. I think that would possibly be. But I, th- I thought Chris Wilder was another great shout. I thought what he did, um, working at all levels of football, there, there was there was something slightly kind of in, in, one, uh, in one kind of press not release, but a wave of, of interviews where it was suggested that he wouldn't fancy a, a Nottingham Forest uh, in the position that they're in. Uh, that's, I mean, I can categorically say that would be total rubbish. He's, he's one of the most authentic, um, driven, ambitious men and managers I've ever come across. And regardless of the fact that he's managed in the Premier League and done wonders getting Sheffield United from League One into the Premier League, I think between him and Steve Cooper, whichever manager or head coach Forrest end up with, out of those two choices, I think they're the two stellar choices out there at this moment in time. Obviously, if you start looking in the realms of paying a hell of a lot of conversation to lure someone from another club that may be doing better, that's a different, that's a slightly hypothetical conversation because um, that it involves so many kind of um, variables. But of the two men that are available, I, I think if you're a Forrest fan, and, and and again, I'll Greg, I'll ask Greg this in just a second. That you you got to look at those two and be rubbing your hands together, thinking, "Wow, this this next six, seven, eight months could be very, very exciting indeed." Can I ask Greg your question? Greg, um, what do you think about those two as people that could lead Forest? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, before any of the odds came out or any of the rumours, I, I, it was Chris Wilder for me, and I genuinely didn't think we'd have a chance of getting him. 
and then you, you know i think matt did <laughs> did a uh, story on him and rio ferdinand's there retweeting it saying he is like basically he is interested this is true so it just shows that we have still got that pull to get managers of that caliber wanting to come and work for us and you know the Cooper. I'd I'd love Cooper. I'd love him to be announced today and have the week to get ready for Millwall. I'd, I'd love that. But these things, football's strange, isn't it? We've <laughs> definitely got our man. We've a hundred percent got him. Then it doesn't happen. And God, if Wilder's the next man to knock on the door saying I'll take it, I'd be delighted. Mm, yeah, I mean Cooper. It sounds like from speaking to a couple of people, like Prutt said, he. Mm. He, he was expected to go again with fewer players and back in January he wanted an extra striker to get them over the line, he thought. So if that backing wasn't there, I think that's why he reached the end of the road with Swansea and nothing more. And on Wilder, there's this kind of... It's a bit of... I think it's a red herring if you believe the people close to him that he wouldn't work in forest structure. He, I was told he definitely... He would have worked under Dane Murphy and uh, it, that thing about Sheffield United was a bit of a red herring. But if it is Cooper... Um, you were, I mean, are Forest fans a bit cheeky here? Turning some are turning their nose up at a bloke who's taken them to the playoffs twice in a row, saying, "Oh, the football's not so good." And we'll come on to that because I think that might be a red herring. But are Forest fans being a bit cheeky there, Greg, or not? Yeah, the, the best one I saw was someone had gone into this blooming XG rabbit hole, saying, "Oh, yeah, but XG has less chances." It's like, what even is that? Um, so it's just we. It's like. We need to be miserable as Forest fans. And then suddenly we get this manager and it's like, how can we put a downer on it? And we can't be like that anymore. We've got this fresh new start. The key is the fresh new CEO with this January. It's going to be his ideas and his transfer window. Definitely worried about losing one of, you know, Johnson or Worrell still. But a new manager like Cooper, if he's sitting down with our CEO... I think he's going to be desperate to come to this club. You'd hope he would be anyway. And he he's done. He had success with Swansea, and people were saying, "Oh, it wasn't youngsters. It was these, you know, multi-million-pound players." It wasn't really. There was a couple of really good players, but I did think they punched. Uh, and everything you read about him playing with the youngsters, we've got one of the best academies in the league. It, it's just a really good fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's this thing that he's another four-three, four-two-three-one merchant. But from what I've been looking at, he actually plays three-four-one-two. Although, perhaps you think I make too much of formations <laughs> anyway. But, but, but the, the thing is, with this, it, it's I understand it. Like, like I said, trying to put my feet, uh, my, my, myself in the shoes of, of a Forest fan and seeing um, what they might possibly expect or want from Steve Cooper. He was 90 minutes away from getting a team without the. the with a hell of a lot of their better players that had gone, I, I, can't, I can't quite remember where the budget fit in the championship. Obviously, you had Ayu up top, and the great, the great thing about that was, oh, it's a play, he's, he's had Champions League experience, he's played in the World Cup. You're almost like he's doing Swansea a favour, sticking around and leading these young lads. Yeah, but if you're on the ballpark figure between fifty and eighty thousand pounds a week, well, well done. I mean, again, the cynic in me comes out. Of course, he's staying around. Is he going to get there anywhere else? Possibly not. Like I said, that's that's not an exact figure that I plucked out of the air. That's that's kind of a, maybe a bit of hearsay with regards to uh, the, the structure of, of his contract there at Swans. But you can't doubt how well he played. You can't doubt how well Steve got something out of him. If he's so good with um, younger players, he's also proven himself with someone that potentially could have been um, a tough one to buy into what he wanted to do. And he also, as I said... Um, 
Forest missed out on the playoffs. Um, obviously, with that, with ironically, obviously that goal swing with Swansea um, a, a couple of years ago. But he's still uh, Steve Cooper's still got a, uh, a side closer to the Premier League than anybody has for Nottingham Forest in the last twenty years. Would that be correct in saying so? I mean, they've not been anywhere not been, near. No, they've not been to a final, have they? No. So, so to do that, to get to a semi-final, and then be beaten by um, Brentford, then to go again and get a game closer with arguably a team that uh, a squad that probably had less less of his good players than it did do the year before I, I think i think it's a, it's i understand the passion i understand the thought process with you want the absolute best for your football team you want the absolute best x y and z but for a team that's been nowhere near uh, banging back on the door of the premier league to get a little bit um Snobbing is not the word, is it? To 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 be a, a little bit non-plus when it comes to a player that, to a manager it, that, in very recent memory, has got so very very close. I, I just think staggers me a little bit. And and uh, I'm not saying that everyone's got to be liked, and every manager that comes to the, the door's got to be universally liked because that is obviously not the case. Same with players, but I mean, give the man half a chance before he's even stepped on the training ground, before he's even signed up. He's 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 done he's done more than managers in, in the recent past have, have done to. To get Forest uh, to to get a team near the Premier League than anyone at Forest does, so why not give him the give him the chance? Uh, I've only interviewed him once when he was working with England under seventeens. Oh, and he's won the World Cup. So I mean, well, again, yeah. what, what do we do? We need anything else to, to tick <laughs> to tick the boxes with? Well, exactly. Uh, when I interviewed him, he seemed very considered, very thoughtful, not a ranter and a raver. And you obviously know him better than me, perhaps. I mean. Is that the way management's gone now? The days of Joe Kinnear and Gary Megson screaming in your ears at half time for what I can see is absolutely no point at all. It just must be water for ducks back after yeah. a couple well, of times. I mean, the, great, the great thing, and I always will always be eternally grateful to Gary Megson for allowing me to play. And sorry, Forest fans, but it, it, for a, a playing when, when it's funny when you when we're talking about a specific club, then you mention other what would be deemed big clubs as well. Sheffield Wednesday being the, the, the club that I'm going to refer to. doesn't mean to say that, yeah, you just love them all in different ways, don't you? I, I knew what he was like because I played against his teams and kind of been, not aghast, but been kind of playing on that side of the pitch, kind of spent half a time thinking, is, is he, what, is he, is he shouting at me? Is the, no, oh, he's shouting at his own player like that. That's amazing. <laughs> and um, having had it firsthand uh, uh, Wednesday, I can see, I can say from first-hand experience that yes, being called certain things that would normally shock you in the street <laughs> all the time, it does then be, you, you do get used to it. I think at one point I thought that was my nickname, but I won't go into <laughs> what it was. Uh, and a lot of people might agree with that. But um, it was, it, it, I think it has changed. We we did the a Swansea game earlier on in the season. Um, so we had the chance to sit pitch side, which was fantastic. And Russell Martin, who a manager that I've got a lot of time for and someone that, um, I've had several very, very in-depth conversations with the found him a fascinating manager, but everything was positive. Even a couple of times, uh, maybe maybe I'm being a bit harsh on the goalkeeper there, but he took it out, turned out onto his right foot and sprayed it about three or four foot over the full-back's head, which in years gone by would have got Paul Hart out the dugout shouting, either Roach or whoever it was, what on earth are you doing? Why have you kicked out of play? And obviously, Sorry, Gaffer, I didn't mean to, but uh, but it's it's been it, it is a different way of doing it. Steve builds relationships, whether it's with Rian Brewster, who's who I know that he still touches base with from time to time, who's gone from being 
a big part player at Liverpool to being a big part for Swansea to being a, a twenty million plus pound uh, striker that's played in the Premier League. It's he, he he fosters relationships. He tries to get the best out of not just the the, the player but the person. And, and I'm not saying that he's reinventing the wheel with that, but I think he is very much of a new wave of coaches that does understand that. And you don't get success with an adolescent side like the under 17s to conquer the world without being able to buy into what makes a footballer tick. And as I said. If I was a Forest fan, I'd, I'd be well, we're preempting him signing on the dotted line here. But I'd be excited to see what he could do with a team. Yes, we've mentioned Chris and how he set the team up, but a team that, as individuals and collective as collectively, has been woefully underperforming for a long period of time. True. I'd take Ryan Brewster if he became available from Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's got he's got to get himself back up in the goals, hasn't he? Ryan, he's he's he's, he's a very um, comes across as a very nice kid, um, and I saw him on Saturday against Hull City, and he's working his way back towards what you know he can do. But I suppose if I don't know, it's it, I think from Forrest's point of view, you'd like to think that he wouldn't come to us because we are now a rival rather than someone that's seen as the whipping boys in the championship. True, Greg. How old are you? 36. Ah, okay. I think then I'm at that age where you have to start thinking about it. You're a little bit younger than me. <laughs> yeah, you're a little bit younger than me. You're definitely a bit younger than Prods. Um, although I'm, yeah, I'm almost the same age as you, Prods. Um, I was thinking about that Paul Hart team. Did you watch them when Darren Ward oh, used I loved to it. Oh, get mm. the ball and ping it out to the fullbacks and take good it on the ball. Wardy, wasn't he? Very good. Oh, was good. But I think I look back at that and there's that and the Billy Davis era, of course, that was our most promising teams. It was so exciting, especially Harty again, coming fostering youngsters, how important mm. that is for a club like us. Mm. And he possibly like set it all going, really. Mm. Uh, so mm. forever grateful for, for what he did, really. True. Nick Marshall was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Probably, so you was he? How, how is he? He's, well, he's very well. He's Liverpool's assistant academy manager, so he's doing all right for himself. So, so, so he's laughing his head off. So, so he's, Fascinating so he, man. It, it, oh, he is, absolutely. And the dynamics of... So you had Paul Hart, you had Wiggs as his, as his number two, didn't you, before Wiggs kind of progressed up into the first team with David Platt and Andy Beasley was there as well. Charlie McParland, as we know, that eternal ray of sunshine when it comes to all things football-based in Nottingham. Bless him. And... Um, Nick was obviously from, I mean, he he had the audacity to have gone to university, I think, which in the footballing realms was seen as, who who does he think he is? What, because he's had further education? I mean, who thinks he knows everything? And and bless him, he he, he had to, yeah, he had to to assert himself. He had to really kind of um, stand his ground in this quite, I mean, this is probably just at the time, maybe five years hence, that things were just starting to turn and, in a sense of, I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down of what was deemed acceptable back then and is very much not deemed acceptable now when it came to tough love, shall we say. But I think Nick would have been part of that. And I, I always enjoyed my time with him. Funny, funny fella as well, sharp sense of humour, which possibly stuck in a few ex-footballers crows because he was he was quite quick-witted. So he's, and he's obviously gone to do on to himself on Merseyside. Yeah, no, he's doing all right for himself. He's doing all right for himself. Um, right, let's turn uh, back to Forest present day and just finish on them. Um, next five fixtures, and again, we're going to be relentlessly optimistic and people say we're being stupid, but the next five games are Millwall, Barnsley, Birmingham, Blackpool and Bristol City. And I wouldn't have any of those teams necessarily in my top six come the end of the season. So, Greg, are you going to tell me that Forest are going to take 15 points from that or what are you looking at? It's a massive chance. I'd have loved those five games at the start of the season 
playing like we did after Saturday. Um, they're teams that, even in the position we are, you think we've got to get something from this. Of course, we're not going to get 15 points, but Millwall's a massive test because they always they, they play ugly football usually, don't they? The stuff we seem to struggle against, like we did the You're not playing away on, uh, on Saturday, Greg. Very brave man. You know, they're coming to your gaff. You're not heading down there. <laughs> but it's true. It's like a Neil Warnock-style team with Middlesbrough. Like we, we really struggle to deal with them. Um but if we play to our strengths and the team now full of confidence and on a buzz from Saturday, start with a win against Millwall. And the mad thing is we still need a run to get out of the relegation zone. And then we go from there, hopefully. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, Forest did themselves no favours against Cardiff and Middlesbrough, the way they went about it at all. Where do you see Forest in the next few months? Perhaps, obviously, we yep. want them to climb the table. What's, what's well, absolutely. realistic? Absolutely. It's a team that should, should would, whatever. It's shouldn't be propping up anything really in this division. It should be very much um at least at least a top half side. Yeah, the thing is you look at the teams that you've just mentioned there, Matt, and, and this is a reflection of what Forest have become over the last twenty years. They're very much and with the greatest respect to the teams that we're talking about, they sound like championship fodder, don't don't they? And sadly Forest do fit into that in the mm. sense of I could see them winning the majority of those games. I could see them getting turned over in the majority of those games. What the, the challenge is now is the optimism that Greg's talking about is to harness that, is to get people back to the city ground. And I, I was, um, I was, uh, this is me not name dropping because I'm sure he's he probably disavowed all knowledge of me texting him, but texting Johnny Owen with regards to um, what a new manager could possibly expect. And I've been there when things have been good. I've also been there when you're getting called quite choice things for acting like a bit of a wally and, and, and not finishing a football match, which we won't go into because we've done it many times on here, Matt. But um but that place when it's when it's full, when it's noisy, Greg will attest to that it'll it'd have been part of that wonderful noise that comes down from the stands. It's a it's a phenomenal place to f- play football. And if there's a new wave of optimism that greets the players um but also that healthy hint of come on, we're happy that you've got your fingers out, but we've got a, a hell of a lot of work to do. A hell of a lot of work to do. The thing that, uh, over the broader sense of what the championship season could possibly toss up is, the the, the quicker they get motoring and out the bottom three, which, as we're probably going to come on to in just a second, is probably going to be narrowed down to a bottom two, isn't it? Forest shouldn't be anywhere near the knockings when it comes to this. They shouldn't get to January and think, oh, we just need to do enough work to make sure that we, 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 it's not squeaky bum time. They should be rallying from now, looking at, if we're in a healthy situation come January, what does the manager need? What does the head coach need? Do we Can we get a striker in from a Premier League side to give us 10 goals? A Ryan Brewster, the effect that he had at Swansea, to nudge us towards a late push to somewhere. I, I think that's absolutely what their MO should be between now and January. Then after that, see where the rest of the season takes them. Um, we talk about a new wave of optimism in a bottom two. I mean, like we say, Derby County, Forest Arts rivals, there's no optimism there at the moment. Um, Greg, you're the big fan on the panel from Forza Garibaldi. How are you feeling about this? You, you want them to go <laughs> under and go bust and see their fans crying oh, into dear. their cereal yeah, every morning or what? I said don't ask me because I'll start smiling then I get told I'm horrible and nasty. I feel sorry for the staff, of course I do, but I have no sympathy for their their fans. The way that they've acted over the last four or five years, you know, they've got everyone on strings and Mel Morris doing this, that, the other... When we could all see what was going on, you know, when you're not 
announcing your, your losses and this, that, the other, you could see it stunk. So, you know, they wished for the way he treated the club and now all of a sudden it's Mel Morris and the EFL. Of, you know, they should have seen it years ago and started protesting and doing stuff, but they didn't. So, yeah, I feel sorry for the staff that are clearly like worrying and sleepless lights now, but they could save a hell of a lot of money by getting rid of someone like Rooney, how much he's on each week. So... Yeah, not a lot of sympathy for the uh, playing staff or the fans, unfortunately. But it's just sad when any business goes under. Of course it is. And, you know, football needs to look at itself as a whole and say this has happened to them. It could happen to my team. It could easily happen next year. Um, As fans, we've got to see the warning signs a lot earlier and start asking the hard questions. Mm, True. Well, Forest have incurred... Not incurred losses, that's not right. They've been a bit wasteful in the transfer market, certainly, as well. Um, What's it do for the integrity of the competition, perhaps, if you've got a team in September or October, where that happens, Mm. that are on minus 12, minus 21, minus 20-whatever points? Does it harm the integrity of the Championship, do you think? I think think that point becomes completely moot because of what Greg's saying there. It's, It's operating in this way does bring sanctions, Luton, 30 points. Leeds United, 15 points. Potentially 24 with Derby. Now, you've got a man there who has been extremely successful from a business point of view, (coughs) Mel Morris, and his financial commitment thus far, as in the actual figures, is both staggering and really quite scary. The... The way that they've gone about it, the way that it's been directed, that's where the that, that's where the questions come into it because um, it's chasing that holy grail of what the Premier League is, isn't it? Going at it, getting close on several occasions, but that uh, kind of the law of diminishing returns that comes with that, with with regards to how the, the last few seasons, last couple of seasons has gone, means that um, I mean that that John McGinn goal. The Villa goal. I mean, that's 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 how cl- that's the sliding doors element of where they are, of of what position they find themselves in now. And I think um, there's no, let's be honest, there's no good time to go into administration. There's no good time to have a points deduction. The fact that you've got two of them together, and and just before we came on in, this is something that I read sadly in the Mail Online. So I don't know, obviously, the, the kind of the the dialing the the deep dive into where this actually stands from a, a foundational point of view is is, is Open, and open to interpretation, but it could be as much as 24 if they fail to pay players and staff on time. Is 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 staggering, absolutely staggering when it's it's a club that I'm sure other clubs were looking enviously on as they had an owner that was a fan and a, and a man that was prepared to put his, his hand in his pocket. It's it's been a bit of a it's not been a, a, a very widely discussed um, point, but I think I'd, I'd go as far as saying perhaps over the last decade or so. In the championship, that you, you probably had Derby County, one of the biggest payers. I, I, I don't quite know the exact figures, but common consensus is that's what it's been because they've always gambled on getting into the Premier League. When you don't, this is what happens. Like I said, Leeds United gambling to get into the Champions League every year. The minute it doesn't happen, you end up with Wallace like me playing for them in League One with no points, no money, and <laughs> no hope really. But uh, that was that was a, a different set of circumstances altogether. But the way that Derby find themselves, and Greg's absolutely right. The people that pay for this um, are the people that are not remotely on a fraction of what any of the players are on. You get some poor sod in the ticket office or someone that's worked there for decades doing bits and pieces that is the first to be under the P45 
which I always think in these situations is is horrendously sad and terrifically unfair. But the, what the position that they find them that they found themselves in, it, to me, it can't have been suddenly someone tapping them on the shoulder saying, "Oh, by the way, have you seen you the way that the clubs run?" Going, "Whoa, what?" I never saw that. That I mean, this this iceberg feels like it's been looming for quite a long period of time, and the quicker that it gets sorted out, the better. But there's there's no way at all with the way that the EFL quite rightly sets up its institution that these things are brushed under the carpet and points deductions that accrue because that's how how on earth, I mean, I'd say deter other teams, but we'll see another it happen to another club because of the finances and football at this moment in time. But it's it's a shocking situation that they found themselves in. And I'm like, Greg, I mean, I wonder, Wayne Rooney apparently found out, and I'm not plugging it because I work for them, found out on Sky Sports News, they've gone into administration. Said he'd not spoken to Mel Morris for several weeks. How, how on earth... How on earth does that happen? Not a clue. Mm. Not mm. a clue. Mm. Um, for, 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 go on, Greg. Sorry. Yeah, the, the one the one thing as well I would say is like disregarding which team it is. The problem is teams like ourselves and Derby that always seem to be stuck together in the leagues can't get rid of each other. We're fighting for that top six space with all the parachute payment clubs. These clubs that have come down with £150 million and, and I know they need it or they'll be in this situation, but, you know, the effect it has lower down, like us trying to fight and get in this top six with the likes of your Norwiches, your West Broms, your Watfords, all these teams that have got £150 million and Premier League squads. It's just that it, it, the whole thing needs looking at. But that isn't the reason Derby are in this mess mm. entirely. Of course it isn't, but... For the next club it happens to, it's going to be a similar situation. It'll be one of those teams that hasn't got the parachute payments, gambles, it doesn't work. It did for Leeds two years ago, and I thought that's what we were doing. But to be honest, I think we're a lot more savvy than that. Touch wood. Hmm. Um, two questions to finish then. First to you, Prots, then one for you, Greg. Um, would you scrap parachute payments, Prots, or not? That, that's something that Rick Parry's quite strong on, isn't he, at the hmm. EFL? Um, or does that create another can of worms you're just opening off from the one you've you've just got rid of? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's something that if as as Greg was saying as well, you look at the teams that came down last season. Two of them went straight back up again. One got uh, into the playoffs. So there is that disparity. But on the flip side of it, is they've earned their place at the top table. Part of mm. that top table is what they get for walking through the door and what they get uh, and uh, re- with regards for how long they manage to stay there, which I think is is right because it is it's it's a phenomenal achievement for a club to get into the premier league I, even more so now it, it's it's so very very tough but i think um i, I think you're quite right Matt. does scrapping it then just chuck up a whole other heap of debate and conjecture with regards to how financially the rest of the pyramid structured i i honestly don't know i i honestly don't i can see what it does for the the competitive side of what the championship is and i hope that level of football, not just because we cover it a lot, remains as competitive as possible, that it allows teams to bounce up from League One into the Premier League, that we can still have that freedom of movement with teams playing out of the skin and, 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 and being better than perhaps they ever thought they were. But it's um, the financial state of what football is off the back of, obviously, the pandemic. And there was, a, there was, a, there was uh, I think the Derby County statement alluded to that um, and almost looking at the EFL to say that they hadn't, been afforded the same um, 
chances as the rest of the EFL, but that's categorically not right. They had the same the same facilities were afforded to them, but you've got to meet certain criteria to get into this system of of uh, the financial aid, if you like, and that was afforded to all seventy two league clubs. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. and within that, the EFL just can't be going hell for leather. There's a, a great article in I think it was the Athletic where they were talking about that sense of why isn't the Premier League looking after everyone else? Premier League isn't of the 20 clubs in in the top division aren't responsible for the way that Derby County go about spending money or putting money in, are they? And and in 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 one sense, they also at one stage, and obviously we're talking about the early days of COVID when the world was a different place. We were everyone was a bit more scattergun of the the Premier League teams saying yes, we want to help, but we shouldn't. We, why why are we bankrolling a team that then could get promoted, that then could send us down? And I could totally see where all of this was coming from, but I also could see the horrendous grey area from a financial point of view that sometimes football seems to be in. And um, we we wait with bated breath to see what happens. And as Greg says, as much as Forest have been up and down and ownership has been questionable at times, I think the, the other side of it is if because because they've been a fair to middle in championship club, and I mean that with the greatest respect over the last few seasons. Yes, it could have been infinitely better, but having seen what's going down the other end of Brian Clough Way, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Forest have chased that chased that rainbow themselves, Greg. With so they've been one of the bigger payers in the league. Are you happy now? As much as we love to see them spend, you know, like Fulham have this window, are you quite happy that they've? cut the wage bill and cut the average age of the squad and they're going a different direction. Is that putting yeah. a bit more at ease for the future now? Mm. Yeah, because I, I think it has been reported that he's putting £25 million a year in still just to keep us at that level to £2.5 million a month, I think. Uh, but when you've got players like Harry Arter on mega wages who were nowhere near the squad, the sensible decisions have been made in recent weeks and months about things like that and that has to continue. And it might be the case that we, we just have to look back and say it isn't going to happen this year. It might not happen next year, but we're going to build like these these clubs do that get... Brentford are the perfect opportunity. I'm no big fan of Brentford. They do my <laughs> But... Why, why do they do your own, Greg? They were the ones they, who they started really chatting about this blooming XG stuff all the time and expect, oh, it drives me up the wall. But... Yeah. Moneyball, mate. Moneyball. Yeah, but he's done it perfectly, hasn't yeah. he? And that's Works why it worries <laughs> me when Brentford are after a player like Brennan Johnson. They know exactly his worth. And when a team like them are after him, you think, right, we've really got to be careful with this one because they'll get him for the, the perfect amount of money and he'll go on and he'll do a Matty Cash and he'll then be worth 60 or 70 million. Mm. And we've been there with our 7 million we're going to get for him. So... Yeah, it's, I can't it's, even remember the question. Now. It's you got no, but, Brentford. That, that, yeah, no, sorry, that's, that's we found the one thing Greg hates, and bizarrely, it's Brentford. I've got a good Brentford friend, but yeah. but that's I mean, and you look at what they did, and, and again, you talk about teams going up against parachute payments. A team that got promoted without parachute payments, Leeds United, obviously, it's a slightly different size of club, but went up against clubs with parachute payments, got themselves promoted. It's the, the structure of what they've done, the way that they put that together, I'm, I'm knowing a little bit under the surface about how they've gone about it and the, the way they managed to um, recruit in the best possible way. Surely, I think as well, if you look at Sardane coming in, much mooted and, and much kind of vaunted with regards to what he could possibly do, then I'm intrigued to see what that does for Forrest. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if doing something, because as as we've seen in football, 
more often than not, teams and clubs do exactly the same thing with different personnel, don't they? They go, well, right, get get someone. So so and 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 it's funny how the perception of a manager or a new manager can can put cast a shadow on the other one. Mark Warburton had to had to work with the youth, and he had to develop younger players. He gets biffed. Um, Itor comes in, just give him what he wants. Brilliant. Let's you know what I mean? if he wants older players, let's get these older players in, and it and it moves on and it moves on. And whether you get Steve in charge, who wants to work with Dane, who can tell Dane this is exactly what I need. Whether it's as as they say nowadays, don't they? I'm after a four, I'm after a six, I'm after an eight, an eight. and I'm sat there going, "Can someone explain what these numbers are? Is it a midfielder? Is it a, a, a holder? Attacking? Just just tell me what you want." And if it, but if he can get that that discord, uh, sorry, that 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 discussion with um with Dane and his staff and use these statistics, then, I don't know, maybe, maybe, Greg, we'll have the same conversation in a year's time off the back of, I don't know, some team saying, Forrest, do made it, look what they've I done. I think I'm look. just bit. All these good players together, look where they are now. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a good note to end on. Let's see, let's hope Forrest are in that position in a year's time. Uh, thanks to everyone who watched along as normal or listened along. Do please give us a good rating on a good review because it puts uh, this podcast in people's feeds and uh, makes more people watch and listen. And do subscribe because that helps as well. Prots, thank you very much as ever. My pleasure. This this has been tremendous. And I like the fact the sun's shining, not only literally, but figuratively on all things forest. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely right. Greg, thank you as well. Uh, cheers what a difference a week mate exactly <laughs> and we'll be back this time next week when hopefully there's a manager in place they've beaten Millwall and Greg's talking about winning the league right <laughs> thanks very much everyone we'll catch you soon thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red a Nottingham Forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening yeah.